Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. This ain't your abuelita's financial advice. I'm your host, Janice Torres-Rodriguez, and I'm here to help you tackle grown woman business when it comes to all things dinero. We're going to talk about how to make it, keep it, and grow it. On that note, vamos. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice. First off, thank you so much for everyone who attended the Side Hustle Summit this past week. I am just honestly floored by the amount of support that we got, and I just thank you so much for spending the week with me and four other amazing women. And today's episode is featuring one of the panelists for the Side Hustle Summit. Actually, her name is Joy Valerie Carrera, and she was the host of the last summit on Friday the 24th of April. So she really closed out the summit with a bang. Her session was amazing. And I hope that if you were not able to join us in person, you can go ahead and head over to the Yo Quiero Dinero YouTube channel and watch all of the replays of all of the sessions as many times as you want. We're also putting them up on Facebook. So make sure to follow uh, Yo Quiero Dinero podcast on Facebook and make sure to join our Facebook group because I'm going to be announcing some more opportunities for us to connect and I'm working on a lot of stuff in the background, guys, so make sure you stay in touch so that way you know what's going on and you can be the first ones to sign up when I announce new events. So let's get into this conversation with Joy. She needs no introduction. This woman is a force to be reckoned with, so I am so excited to have this discussion with Joy Valerie of Build With Joy. Okay, so Joy, um, I'm so freaking excited that we've been connected. Like I mentioned before, my sorority sister, Kim, 
who was on my podcast a couple episodes ago introduced us and I'm like loving everything that I'm hearing and reading about you. So first off, thank you for being here. Of course. Oh, same here. Like, I think we started just like watching each other's stories and we're just like, oh my God, we vibe so much. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I just want to get into, first off, you are doing a whole lot of stuff. Okay. I thought I was doing a whole lot of shit. You're doing on a whole other level of stuff. So that's number one. So you are a digital advertising and media operations strategist. I had to write all this down because there's just like so much. You're a podcaster. You're a creative. You are a tech enthusiast. I mean, girl, how does one <laughs> even start doing these things? Like, give us your background. Um, okay, do you want the long story or the short yes, story? Yes, yes. No, we're here for the whole story. Okay, so um, I've always been a little bit of a nerd. Um, and <laughs> yeah, too. so it's so funny because I thought the same thing about you when I started like following your stories girl, and stuff. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Well, like I was like, oh, she's doing so much too. Cause I realized you have like multiple blogs and you have all this other stuff and a full-time job. So I was like, what? my mom says I was born in Kieta, so it's just manifestation Same. of all that. <laughs> um, so I ha I basically, you know, was always like in the library. Like I grew up in Queens, New York. My parents are from Guatemala, and I was always that kid that was just like living in the library, trying to do as many things as possible. So my mom would always just enroll me in all of the extracurricular stuff, right? Um, and you know, since I was little, I always loved science and math. And I ended up going to Rochester Institute of Technology and I was studying chemical engineering. Um, so yeah, for me when I was young, I was like, oh, I wanna I, I thought I wanted to go into fashion. Um, you know, I was like, oh, I'm gonna be a designer. And then I was like, I'm not that artistic, right? Like I have a lot of ideas, and I guess I've learned that you can be creative and not necessarily be artistic. Um, so I was not an artist. <laughs> at all. And um, my math teacher was like, you're really, really good at math. So why not um, go into like building cosmetics? Right. And I was like, what? And yeah. And I would always make my own little concoctions because my hair is curly like yours. So yay, curly hair girls. Um, so I would always be making my own stuff. And, you know, my teacher was like, well, if you want to go into beauty, why not go into chemical engineering? And I was like, what? Um, and she was like, yeah, I have some students that like ended up studying that and they make makeup and lipstick and like perfumes. And I was like, oh, okay. I never thought about that. So I took chemistry. Um, so that's really like what made me like just see the world differently. Cause I was like, whoa, like you can explain everything through math. Right. And like, even I see the world through patterns. So for me, like math just is the simplest way to explain everything. Um, and that's kind of my approach. Uh, so I, when I was in college, I ended up doing research and working in a lab and I hated it. <laughs> Um, I don't know if you've ever done like a chemistry Girl. lab. Yeah, right. I was a molecular biology and chemistry major in college. Oh, wow. And I have a master's in biotech. So, girl, science nerd. Okay. Oh, my God. That's so cool. But I'm a science nerd. <laughs> 
say so like yeah by my junior year you know I'm just like in the lab and I was like yeah I'm gonna make these amazing cool things meanwhile I'm just like diluting methanol right and like I was working um so you probably definitely know about this I did HPLC right so I'm working on these like big machines like for I guess listeners high performance liquid chromatography where you're basically just like running experiments for days literally days just like diluting little samples trying to see how much of what the first three years of my career that's what i did all day long okay that shit was not cute okay i can't i did it for a summer and i was like i'm bored like i I, you know i'm just like here thinking like i'm gonna come up with the next big solution and i was like I'm so bored. I'm like by myself in a lab and I'm just like, I can't, I haven't spoken to another human in like an entire, you know, week. So I was like, nah. Um, So I ended up, and that's when I thought like maybe chemical engineering wasn't for me. So I went straight chem- biochem, then chemistry. Um, but I had a sociology minor and ended up my last year switching to international studies because it was the closest thing to anthropology at my university because I went to RIT, right? So like um, even our liberal arts, you had to get a BS. So like you couldn't get a fine arts degree. Um, and it was really easy by that time because I had a chemical engineering background that they were just like, sure, you can switch to whatever you want at this point. Um, so through that, I ended up studying abroad and this was in 2012. So this was like pre-Instagram and I was always that person that was like, okay, like, hi, you know, I'll just go up to random people and I'll start talking, right? That's just like the type of person I am. Um, and I'm not that extroverted. I'm just like bubbly and friendly and I love like one-on-one conversations. Your name is Joy. I mean, <laughs> I figured as much. <laughs> but yeah, but I always like, I I was the person that was always like making Facebook groups for people, right? Because I was like, let's stay in touch. Like, how do we stay in touch? Even though we're like, you know, I was literally in Kosovo, like I was studied abroad there. So, you know, I met people from all over the world and we literally stayed in touch through um, social media. And so that really got me interested in just like technology, right? Like how we were able to use that to keep in touch and build connections with people. And um, at the same time, like I grew up, my parents are both pastors, like they're always doing community work. And that's kind of like the environment that I always grew up in. So I was like, okay, I don't think I want to work for like a big pharmaceutical company, even though it was like a lot of money. Um, And I was like, I want to do something meaningful. So I ended up joining AmeriCorps after I graduated and um, worked for a company called Grameen America. And they focused on microfinancing. So they kind of took the model of like tandas, you know, like when everyone contributes a couple of bucks and everyone and like shares it, um, but they would partner with uh, banks. So they worked with like the underbanked basically. So in the US, they were working with undocumented women, low income women to basically help them start like micro businesses. So I was like, yo, this is so cool. It was a concept um, built out of Bangladesh with Muhammad Yunus, who's like a Nobel Prize winner that I got to meet. And I was like, yo, this is wow. the best thing ever. Um, so I was really excited to be working there. Uh, but at the same time, like it was nonprofit technically in the U.S. It's social business. And now they finally have hit sustainability. But back when I was there, it's nonprofit. Nonprofit is hard. I don't know if you've ever worked in it. Um, 
But there's not that much money in that at all, especially because yeah. I was doing it through AmeriCorps. Um, so after that, I decided to travel for a bit and connect with my friends. But even while I was there, you know, like I was there supporting the strategy and logistics team. But at the same time, like I was the youngest person there and I went to RIT. So everybody was like, can you fix the computer? Like, and I was like, I guess I was like I was a, I was like an, a chemical engineer right and like so I was like everything I know is like pen and paper and even when I was in college trying to figure out what major people were like oh why don't you go into like computer engineering and I was like computers are hard like it's I don't like you know I was like scared of it I was like I can't do yeah. that like everyone in the computer science college where I used to work actually like in the dean's office they're all dudes right and I'm like all oh, these are really smart guys like I could never do that um and so I got there and they're just like, oh, clean up this data. And I was like, and everyone's doing it manually. So I was just like, hell no, like I am not going to do this manually. That's too much effort. So that's actually like what got me into programming because I was just like, I'm lazy. I don't want to be doing extra work. Like that's, you know, and I'm a trained, like I was trained as an engineer. So like the whole thing is to make things as efficient as possible. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, cool. Let me teach myself this like computer language. Just like at the time I was working in Excel sheets, which was like VBA, just like how to clean it, like teaching myself yeah. macros, like to automate as much stuff possible. Um, and I realized I really liked it. Um, so I kept like trying to teach myself a bit of web development and ended up backpacking, like still playing on like Udemy, Code Academy, and ended up, um, you know, taking the next job at a company called Americans for Immigrant Justice because I had backpacked, right? So I spent that summer backpacking like I was a hippie, like I had th- like shells in my hair. Like I was such a weirdo. If you scroll back far enough on my Instagram, you can see. Oh, I'm definitely going to. <laughs> like I was such a weird kid. Um, and I'm just like, you know, hostile hopping, like being a whole hippie, right? Yeah. Um, and at the same time, like I would rarely ever see like Latinas, right? Or just like any non-white people um but you know I'm still meeting cool people like all over the cool thing about being Latina and ethnically ambiguous as you travel is like no one knows where you're from so yeah. at the same time they're like she might be poor let me try not to sell them anything but then like the locals are just like hey come over for dinner right and you're like oh, sure. right um, <laughs> so that was fun um so I was backpacking like on almost no money like literally I would just stay at hostels but if you're you know, not backpacking broke are you even doing it right I mean exactly. honestly <laughs> like yeah, I, I would never be able to like do that now because, no. you know, I'm old now. I have back problems. High class. We're bougie. <laughs> Even that. But like, right. I'm like bougie now. I saw this tweet that was like, now people are realizing that bougie is not the same as being bourgeois. Right. What is it like? <laughs> being the bourgeoisie class. And I'm like, I feel so attacked. I feel seen. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh no. Like very real. Um <laughs> But, but yeah, so I was backpacking around doing that. Um, and at the same time, you know, like I'm Guatemalan, like um, I don't necessarily look what people think of as Guatemalan. Like, what Where are you think. at this point when you're traveling? Like where, what countries are you in? Um, so I went through Southeast Asia, right? So I had studied abroad in the Balkans. So before that, that's where I was meeting a ton of people, other people that were studying. We were studying genocide and post-war conflict. <laughs> um, so, in Kosovo, right? Like, I mean, Kosovo, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. 
so it was five years after independence there. Um, and so there we're, we're like, we're with peacekeepers, like we're studying uh, like people who are former military or, you know, being our professors, people who are in the UN. So it's pretty cool. And there's just like people from all over the world who came to study, right? It was just me and three other Americans. Everybody else was from like different parts of the world. Um, So I got to meet a lot of people. So through that, you know, um, I made friends who like my still really good friend, like she's from Saudi Arabia. Um, she she's from Lebanon, grew up in Saudi Arabia, and now is in Paris. And she's like, um, I think sh- she's a lawyer, and I think she focuses on like immigrant, like on immigrant rights, right? Like so. And I have friends that like you know now are in peacekeeping stuff in the UN, and like it's it's really cool. But um, yeah, so in my sorority, actually, my little was from Malaysia. Um, so she was just like, come hang out with me for the summer. And I was like, okay, cool. What else am I going to do, right? Because um, I had left Grameen and I was in Guatemala for two months. And then she was like, come hang out with me. And I was like, all right. And I go hang out with her. And then she got an internship. So I was like, cool. What do I do now? And she's like, well, you can like travel. And I was like, wait like I'm gonna go by myself um but I'm like meeting people even in Malaysia and they're just like yeah it's like really safe you know like on Southeast Asia like when I was there and still like it is very respectful of women um especially like foreigners that's how they make their money like to Mm -hmm. tourism so yeah I went to Bali so I got to be there and um went up through Thailand to Cambodia Singapore um and like literally just doing I guess you know, they basically, it's like the American trail, you know, the West, like the Westerners are all doing it, but I'm like meeting really cool people along the way. Um, and still like, you know, to staying in touch with people like via social media back then it was Facebook. Um, yeah. And coming back and, you know, I came back and I'm just, and while actually, while I was in Bali, um, you know, I'm thinking like, crap, I need to come back. I need to get a job. Like once I come back to the U S cause I'm just like yeah. living, you know, I would save up, go on a trip, come back and work and just do that. Um, and so I'm like, all right, like at the same time it was 2014 and in the U S like you're hearing about these like kids that were detained at the border. And that's when, you know, the rhetoric really started up again about like, oh, these Mexicans are coming through, um, you know, so I was just like, oh, they're not actually Mexican, they're Guatemalan, but let me not correct anybody, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, at the same time, I was like, all right, like, how can, you know, how can I give back? So that's how I ended up joining Americans for Immigrant Justice. Um, but at the same time, they are like, I was doing intakes for kids that were detained at the border, right? So we had them at the shelters and I had to like get their life story basically. Like I had to interview them. Um, so that was really hard, right? I Especially can't even like, imagine. I'm 22 um, and I'm just, you know, hella privileged in the US. Like I grew up low income here, but like it's nothing compared to like fleeing poverty, fleeing, you know, being attacked, fleeing violence. Um, a lot of the girls were abused so you know it's just like really hard and then you become very numb to it right like you become excited when someone tells you the saddest story ever because you know then at that point like oh my god there's some type of aid that we can get for you right so it's just like 
really hard. Um, so I was just like, I can't do this. And I felt like I was just becoming like this person I didn't want to be, you know, just like very negative. Um, but at the same time, I was just like, hey, like I can help with the database stuff. Right. Um, and for my thesis and my undergrad, I had studied reproductive education um, in post-conflict Guatemala because there was a civil war there. There was a lot of genocide of the Mayan people. And a lot of the people that I was interviewing, you know, I would be like, I'm Guatemalan. And then they just be like, Oh, because there, you know, in Guatemala, I'm extremely privileged, privileged, right? Like I'm mixed, right? So like, you know, there people are very racist towards the indigenous folk. So, you know, I would meet someone and they're like indigenous Maya and they're just like, oh, we don't trust you. Right. And I'm like, and with good reason, historically. Right. Um, but I'm like American. I don't recognize like these issues that I'm just like, hello. Um, a lot of the kids don't even speak Spanish. So that was a whole um, thing there. So yeah, so I ended up working more on the database, noticing a lot of patterns. Um, and one of the things that I had wanted to do and like learned about after was data science. Um, but, you know, I'm 22, I have massive student loans. And I was like, I don't think I want to, you know, it's like, I don't know how to get funding for this. Like, I don't want to go into more debt. I um, so started looking into jobs in tech because all my friends from college, not like a lot of them were software engineers, but then I have another other friends that were like, you know, liberal art majors, people that had nothing to do with tech and that I used to tutor. And I'm just like, how are you getting these like high paying jobs? Right. Like <laughs> I was yeah. like, I know I could like I was like I could do this if you guys are doing it um so I reached out to a buddy of mine and I was like hey how do I get one of these jobs and he introduced me um for someone to someone at this company and you know doing an internship and at that point I'm like you know I moved back to New York because I was like I can't handle this anymore um and I was tired of being poor, right? Living on a nonprofit salary mm-hmm. and was living in Miami, which I thought would be great. It wasn't. Um, like Miami. I hate Miami. I hate Miami so much. Sorry to anyone listening from Miami, but yeah, like no, they do y'all not like up. brown it's people. It's just a weird place. Yeah. Like they, it's, it's like all the isms of Latin America just come over. So at first I was like, yay, my people, right? And I've talked to other people who've lived there and they've like said the same thing. Like, unless you're just like, you know, look like, you know, these model-esque Latinos, like people don't like you. Like, you know, they're just like, oh, why you look like that, right? And there's just like so much conflict between different countries in Latin America. Like they'll be like, oh, it's a Nika, like this Guatemalan, like why aren't you in the fields? And I'm like- all right and And i think it's also very similar to la where there's just like a lot of transient people so nobody's ever like there long enough to form long-lasting relationships and there's a lot of plastic just a lot of plastic people yeah and like i met really cool people that i still keep in touch with but like you know it was a lot harder and like i'm a new yorker so like i'm straight up right i'm like Mm -hmm. i don't like you right (laughs) yes and you will know yeah, you know, they don't, yeah, so uh, that's even been a whole issue working with people <laughs> in California and everything, but I'm just like, you know what, New Yorkers, like, I'm giving up, I'm just, yeah. I'm just me. we're straight up, I think it's like a Northeast thing, everyone will just say it to your face, Um, you know, we're just literally cold people. <laughs> yes, yes. 
<laughs> but um but yeah so so I I ended up coming back to New York um and was like all right like how do I get into tech how do I learn this like hands on while I'm getting paid um so that internship I ended up like turning down because it was like minimum wage and I was like yo I'm 22 I cannot afford this and I'm telling them straight up right I'm just like this is great well like I can't afford this I need a job right um so they ended up that that guy really liked me and he ended up referring me to a buddy of him that was starting a buddy of his that was starting a company and ended up you know being their first employee and I was ended up um building out their whole operations and you know it was an advertising technology firm so you know I was just like cool all the data I got to play with um you know especially like looking at Facebook because I was like I'm seeing these targeted ads, right? Like, how does this work? And I wanted to learn how that worked and also like how media was spreading, right? Because, you know, what broke the story of being at the border was Breitbart, this like fake news organization. Um, and I'm just like, how is this spreading so quickly? Like, I wanted to understand. And I'm thinking like, if I can learn how to do that, you know, the stories of the people that I'm talking to, like interviewing, like we can get those out there, right? If we learn how things work on the back end of things. Things, like the behind the scenes that no one really sees um right. and so that was like my way in and I ended up working there for four years um I ended up build helping build three teams like um in India Poland Switzerland and New York and LA um and my last year I started working remotely so like it, it was just hard at first like I really appreciate like my my mentors they're amazing but just the industry as a whole it's like very male very white um so that was just like really hard to navigate so every day I was commuting three hours a day right um because I lived out in the suburbs I was not about to pay New York rent um and my goal had always been to save up enough money to travel for for a year um so I was just like all right all right like this is my goal I'm gonna like save up um and so during that time you know I'm working in these shared offices like almost everyone's a man everyone's white um and I'm just thinking like oh this is how it's college like this was college for me like whatever I went to RIT it was like 80% male and I'm just like yo what's up and they still look at you different and I was like huh like I'm also a bro like what's going on right <laughs> um and, you know, that's when you realize, like, it's very different in, in the career setting, right? Because um, especially if you're, like, competent and confident. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, there I was just like, okay, whatever. I'm just going to show up to work. I'm going to do my job. I'm, like, not even going to bother interacting or making friends. Um, and I started blogging. Um, so that really was, like, my outlet on the train. Like, because I was when listening to podcasts because I was just like, I have no one to connect with that relates. Like, all my friends in college, like, I was in a sorority, but they were, like, you know, majority were white. Like, even if they were, like, low income, it's still not the same experience um when, you know and a lot of my friends even in the suburbs you know it wasn't the same experience and I started connecting with people via the internet right so it's funny because those were how I maintained friendships that were far away with the people that I could relate but that's how I also started just sharing my story um and I started on Instagram right like just writing long captions and then I'm learning how content monetization works at the same time so I was like let me put this in practice right like how do you gain this audience how do like that 
that we're monetizing um, for other folk, you know, and how can we create media that's actually like impactful and influential in people's lives? Because I'm seeing the opposite happen, right? Like I'm seeing these like articles that are just like trash. This was like before what they're calling fake news, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just seeing like, yo, these people are monetizing, like they don't care what goes out there. Um, right. So that really just like gave me insight. And then at the same time, I'm like, wait, this is like fun. It's like a good creative. It was like therapeutic in a way to be able to like own your story and connect with other people. So that's how I started. Um, You know, I think I might have met Kim even through like the Travel Latina group, like all of these like groups that were forming online. Um, And like my goal was really like, okay, I want to figure out how do I empower these people to learn how to monetize, right? So you said you're doing the blogging course. And I was like, yes, like this is amazing, right? Um, Because I was like, I've, I worked more on the strategy end of it from like the media aspect, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's definitely like, I think, you know, realizing that, yeah, you know, money can be so awkward for people to talk about, but that's also like what's keeping us oppressed in the United States, right? Like, yeah. And, and, you know, once we realize how it works, we realize it's like a game, right? Um, And as long as- Oh my God, absolutely. It's like, you just need to figure out the code to unlock the unlimited, whatever, you know- yeah limited fucking coins (laughs) right and everyone's like freaking out and everything and I'm like listen like you know I've I've come to terms with that because I'm just like that's the other thing like you can have no money and you can have money right and it's all this game of like you know and everyone just like put so much emphasis on it without even realizing what it is right um so I'm like you know meeting creators and they're like oh well I don't want to monetize because it's my art but at the same time like you realize you can't keep making art you can't keep making stuff for your community if you're not you know sustaining yourself or being able to scale your work so that's really like um so after four years I was just tired like I was just I was working remote at that point because like Every year I had quit basically because I was like I'm tired. I was like, and then they were just like, here's some more money. And I was like, I'm not that tired, thanks. Uh, <laughs> but the funny how they get year, you, right? I know. I was like, mm, thanks. And then you realize, like, wait, you could have been paying me this the whole time. Like, that but- part. <laughs> But so the last year, like I basically had capped out. Right. Um, So they were like, you can work remote. We know you love to travel and everything. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Um, So I'm doing that. But at the same time, like I'm building basic brown nerds. So I started out like three years ago with my friend, um, also from College Grecia, who's amazing. Um, And we started doing the podcast and I wanted to monetize it. Right. Like immediately. Um, So I was just like, all right, how do we do that? So these have been like my test projects. So I I haven't even gone full in, but it's always been even like, okay, I'm going to try this that I did at work, right? Or like, you know, doing things at work and I would test it out. Um, but at the same time, like I started building actual connections, right? Like that's how I met Kim, right? Um, and it's crazy because now people are like, oh, it's completely normal to meet people off the internet, right? And yes. I was like doing that before it was like normal. And people were, like, I had a birthday party once and everyone's like, how'd you meet Val? And people were like really ashamed to tell each other. And then they were like, and Instagram, Facebook group, like some random. Girl, I met my on husband trip. on Facebook back when it was that you need to have a dot edu email address. Okay, what? so I believe in the power of social media to bring people together. <laughs> I am I a living that- witness. But it's the thing, right? Like we call it like social networks and that's the thing. It should be a network. Like, you know, yeah, you can watch memes and have fun sometimes. But like 
it should be about leveraging it. And I think especially for people of color, for, you know, for women, for underrepresented folk, like that's how we build our networks. Like we're already cheese muscles, right? Like, so um, it's a good way to just build more connections and keep empowering communities. So that's, that's really like what brought me to just two years ago being like, I'm done. I'm tired. Um, you know, I was making the most money I had ever made, but I was miserable. Right. So, um, you know, and it's been like a crazy journey because especially if you work for yourself, like a couple of months, you're just like, I'm making thousand dollars. And then you're just like the next month you're like, I made no money. Like, so it's, it's rough. But at the same time, like, you know, you do start to learn the game. Right. Like and you're just like, all right. All right. Cool. Um, but that's really what I've been doing and focusing on in the last couple of years. I'm just trying to build out that network, but also um, building out like my own blog, which was Build With Joy, um, which I had been like on pause and not like, you know, that's like life, right? Especially if you're creating content, you know, you have to, like I said, you have to feed yourself first. Um, And yeah, so I've been, especially now, like I'm realizing like people have always come to me, ask me like, how do you do this? How do you do that? Um, And I'm just like, well, if I want to get people to the level that we can be like, all right, let's team up, let's build this network, everything. Um, You know, first you have to teach people, how do you do this, right? Like on small bits and pieces, Um, especially, you know, everybody was like, oh, I don't want to do virtual things. Like I always be telling people like, oh, let's FaceTime. Like let's hop on a Zoom call. And people are like, eh, let's get coffee. And I'm like, I live two hours away. Like this is a whole thing for me. Um, And now everyone's like, oh, yeah, let's get on a Zoom call. And I'm like, oh, well, now, now we got no damn choice. Hello. <laughs> but it's like, if you want any social interaction, you better hop on a computer. Right. Like every like people are always saying like, oh, this is crazy. You can't be doing things virtually. Um, but I'm like, oh, look at everyone using technology all of a sudden. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I'm just like, all right. Bye. Like you all suck. Um, I think but- this whole situation has solidified the fact that there's a lot of companies that are paying for physical office space because there's like some mental block that is keeping them from realizing that we don't need people to actually be in a room to do the shit that we need them to do. It's probably a lot cheaper to do it at their leisure in their homes with their own Wi-Fi connection. They're paying their own electricity. I mean, it just, I feel like this is going to change the way that America oh, works in general. For sure. Um, and I think that's like, it's funny you mentioned that because that was, you know, one of my biggest push to go to remote, right? Like I'd been saying it for the longest time. And I've gotten like some of my friends, like, you know, we've like talked through how they were going to negotiate, right? And it's like, yeah, when you look at the money, right? When you look at the data, you're just like, yeah, I'm saving money, like, <laughs> first off. Um, but also people have more time as well, right? Like I got three hours of my life back when I started working remote remotely um and and you know showing people that you don't necessarily need a physical office space but then I think it, there's a balance between that too right because then you're just like yeah. I'm not interacting with humans <laughs> at all um but so I think it's like finding that balance but also like realizing you know your life shouldn't revolve around your work and it's really like making your money work for you um and also being able to 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 do things like more creative while also still sustaining yourself so so that's like my full story into tech so it's very roundabout cuz it deals a lot more with media um but also leveraging like the technology side of media um so that's my story that's awesome. So I learned so much and I feel like we have even more in common than I realized because I actually worked as a chemical engineer for L'Oreal. So I was making what? makeup. Okay. 
That's number one. Craziest shit ever. Um, yeah. Can I ask you your thing so yeah. that way we can cross promote it? Sure, like, sure. Okay. So what's your like, journey? <laughs> me, like you, I am just the type of person that has always been just doing the most random shit all the time. Um, definitely a science nerd. I was like the kid that won the science fair every year, like just went all extra for no reason whatsoever. And, um, you know, since it was always something that I was good at, I was like, well, what am I going to do? And my family's like, well, duh, you're going to go to med school because science, right? What else are you going to do? You're either going to be a science teacher or you're going to be a doctor. So I applied to, um, my undergrad, I got a full scholarship in a pre-med program. And then one of the stipulations of the program was that I had to maintain a 3.0 average and I couldn't get more than two C's in any classes, like for my four-year term. While studying pre-med, where did you go? I went to Montclair State University up in uh, Montclair, New Jersey. And uh, I ended up getting three C's. My third C was in physics. So I lost my scholarship and this was junior year. And I'm like, mm, these student loans are not playing games. Like, if I got to pay for this shit, I'm not. So I'm just going to finish my undergrad degree in science. I did a molecular biology and chemistry. And I'm like, I'm just going to go into industry because I'm just not about this life. I've done enough school and I'm not going to put myself into half a million dollars worth of debt for med school. Anybody I love how you're that? like, oh, I got three C's, so I'm going to do molecular biology. <laughs> Well, I was already, that was already my major. Cause it was like, it was a pre-med program, but I had to pick a science major. And I was like, yeah, that one sounds oh, cool. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I went into industry. I started working in biotech right out of school. And I did that for about seven years. And then one day it was a snow day, January, 2014. I got called into the office and I was told that my position was eliminated and I had 30 minutes to pack my shit. And so here's your severance. Thank you. Come again. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> and so then I had to drive home in a snowstorm after getting laid off. It took me like three hours to get home. You know, it was like the worst day ever, right? Um, like six months prior to this, I had started my food blog because I was having an ex existential crisis. Like I hated my job. I was working in a place where it was all men. I was like the youngest by at least like 10 years. I had no friends. I was like, this sucks. What is my life? So <laughs> I created my food blog just as a side, you know, project just so I had like some creative outlet to actually do something that I loved, which I've always loved cooking. Like I've been in the kitchen since I was like 10 years old and it was just something I always did. Like I just love the power of food to bring people together. And, you know, food is always like such a central thing, especially like in a Latino households, like you guys get together to eat. Like that's what we do. Um, so I created a blog and I was actually inspired <laughs> by um, the pioneer woman. A lot of people know she's really famous now, but back then she was basically known like as a food blogger. And like you, I'm the type of person, you know, we're science nerds. We want to understand how something works. And if we see somebody doing something that we want to do, we'll end up doing it too, right? So that's exactly how I created a blog. I was like, well, she's doing it, so I'm going to do it. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm still working full time. So I made the transition after that layoff into the consumer manufacturing industry. So I ended up at L'Oreal for a while. 
Um, and now I'm with Johnson and Johnson. I've been there five years now and I love it. Like from a work-life balance, that company, you know, they have been on this remote flexible work thing way before any other major, like, um, yeah. And that's one of the big reasons why I joined them because, you know, being an engineer, you know, as well as I do, like, they ain't no work-life balance in that shit. You were just working all the time, especially me that I was in a plant. Like there would be 14, 16 hour days where I was just like in a manufacturing plant, like full PPE, face masks on, all this stuff. And I'm like, yo, this is not life. Like this is like modern day sweatshop. I'm not I have doing this. friends right now still working in plants and they're terrified. Like, mm. Like I literally can't even this week with it with like Corona going on and they're just yeah. like, why am I here? <laughs> right. And it's not the type of job you can do from home. So I transitioned my um, job. So now I work as a quality engineer where I basically can do everything online. You know, I just oh, need cool. an internet connection. And I've, I love that about J&J and that's why I'm still with them because they provide great flexible, um, and remote working opportunities. But obviously my goal one day is to be self-employed. So around like 2017, I really started getting serious about monetizing my blog. And last year I made $46,000 in ad revenue. Like I've only even really seen big networks like do that. So I was like, what? (laughs) Yes. I mean, I still can't believe it. Like, I was doing my taxes this year. I'm like, is this shit for real? Like, uh, how is this possible? And that has just gotten me thinking, like, maybe this is what I need to be doing, like, full time. So that is my goal. I plan to fully transition to self-employment within the next, like, five years. And then, you know, as part of the whole journey of just, like, understanding how money works and how to make it grow, I started really getting into personal finance through podcasts and stuff. And again, I'm like, okay, that's great. All these podcasts, but they ain't nobody that sounds like me that's talking about money. And then of course, you know, I start having this conversation with myself, like who the hell am I to be talking about money? Like, and how many of us have those conversations with ourselves where we're just like, why are we qualified to talk about this? And I just had to, I just had to do it. And so it's become an amazing space where I've been able to connect with so many amazing women of color. There are so many of us that are talking about money. It's just like nobody's giving them the attention they deserve. So I want to be a part of that, of facilitating those conversations and just connecting women like us to resources and information that white people have had access to forever. Right. And they have these conversations, right? Like very openly, like I think a lot of even like personal finance, like I learned from my white friends where we were just like chilling and talking and they're just having, you know, like talking about like high yield savings accounts and stuff like that. And I'm just like, what is that? And this is stuff like their parents taught them, right? And they're just like, oh, okay. And they're just casually talking about it, right? And like, you know, I'm really grateful that like I learned a lot, but at the same time, like, you know, we're told to be calladitas and like, oh, that's tacky. Like, don't talk about money or like, don't demand more money 
you know, like, don't, don't bother the jefe. Um, you know, I would always like every six months I would like nag my bosses and I was like, yo, what's up? Where's my raise? Right. Like to the point that after a while they're just like, okay, calm down. Right. Like, but, but at the same time, you know, like, and like my Latino friends would be like, oh my God, like, you know, what if they fire you? And I'm like, they're not going to fire you. Like, they're just going to give you more money or they'll say no. Right. Like, um, but, but at the same time, like even, you know, my guy, like the guys that I worked with would just be like, oh no, I just like, you know, say no from the bat. And I'm like, what? And then I would interview women who'd be like, oh, maybe I'll take this. And I'm just like, you know, trying to be like, ask for more. Like, I know what the range is, you know? Um, and it's, it's just that, like, I think it's just like, once we start talking about it more, it makes it less uncomfortable. And, um, I don't know if you follow Hey Berna. Um, oh my she's God, she's amazing. so cool. Yo, yeah, I need her as a friend. <laughs> Like I, I just like follow her. I haven't really like talked to her, um, but I saw that she gathered up like a whole bunch of people and did like the her like what is it hella helpful week, um, which is still available for free. And I just know, like, I just found out about it because I was going through my feed and it came up. Um, but I was just like, what? Like that is amazing, and it's so true. Like you know, people underestimate it. Like I know so many people that like will pitch for stuff, and they'll be like maybe you know um but it's just like you know what like let's just do it and we and i think especially in communities of color like we might not have much money but we have a lot of knowledge and that's just as valuable like when we're skill sharing with each other right um and it's like and that turns into like actual (laughs) revenue um and yeah and i think it's like the more money is in the hands of people who actually care about their community and like putting it to work in positive ways like i think the more we'll just like dismantle these messed up systems that are oh my gosh i love that um but yeah (laughs) and i think that's the beauty of the internet right i feel like it has leveled the playing field for access yes information so i want to talk about how you're actually going about like i think the main thing that for me was important and what changed the trajectory of my income when it comes to my blog is understanding my audience. Like who is looking at this and why? So how do you even go about doing that for anybody that doesn't know? Yeah. So I can talk about it from the advertiser perspective, right? And I think that's something that especially um, creators of color tend to undervalue, right? Um, And you have to think about it, the advertiser is always trying to get the most bang for their buck, right? Um, So when you're thinking about your audience, um, think about like the people that are following you, like the niches that they're at. Um, If you go into just a simple, you know, if you go into a Facebook campaign and you try to target audiences, they're going to be more expensive the more niche it is, right? So if you're thinking, I want to target everybody in the United States, like that's going to be a lot less cheaper than being like, I want to target specifically people in New York. And then even more when you're like New York who are foodies, and then it's like New York who are women and each, and like people of color, right? So this is actually like the more and more expensive. So you have to remember like that's how people are trying to find you. So that actually like you know, that means that you are building stuff that is worth a lot more. Um, And I think that's how people need to realize the audiences that one, they're catering to, but also when it comes to them bringing value, like people are trying to find those audiences, right? Um, And they're specifically like, it's so valuable for an advertiser to come to you um, for them. If they're just like, let me pay, you know, let me, let me work with, um, 
you know, like the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast, because they're talking specifically to women of color and I want to reach that audience. Like it's going to cost them maybe like a couple of thousand dollars to try to figure out how to target them on Facebook, on all these social media campaigns. Maybe they reach the right audience versus coming to you and being like, all right, let me just pay you like $500 flat. I know that I have the audience and here, you know, like that's how we partner to. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. I got there. Um, So I think that's how we have to view it, like how important and how valuable our niches are, especially like if you look up the Nielsen reports, right? Like you see that the Latino demographic is like a very, you know, every... Every advertiser, every brand is trying to get into the Latino market. And there's a reason for that because we spend a lot. Um, And at the same time, like that's a pro and con in our community because we spend a lot, but we don't spend it within our community, right? Um, Or we're like getting chuncherias, you know, like like things that we don't need. Um, And, you know, like just be like, oh, let me buy these things or like very cheap things that are not um, investments long term, right? So I think that's something that internally that we need to work work on like educating our community of like investment right like whether it's a financial investment or investment in self in your education um because sometimes you know they'll be like sure let me go buy five hundred dollar sneakers but i don't want to pay five hundred dollars for this course that's going to teach me how to make money right and you're just like right (laughs) um so i think that's that's one thing um 
just valuing yourself because no one's going to be able to tell the same story. And even if you're just like, okay, let me teach some, like, you know, even in your example, like, let me teach chemistry, right? Like someone hearing it from you and like you being able to relate to them, like that's so much more powerful than being like, all right, like Mr. Johnson over here is going to explain chemistry to you, right? Like that's completely different. Um, And I think a lot of people think, well, like everyone's starting a food blog or like everybody has has some podcasts, right? Um, but it's not the same as your story. And I think owning that is something that's very unique and special because there's billions of people in the world um, that you're always going to find people that can relate to you. It's not like so much a competition. Um, and I think that's the other thing, right? Everyone's thinking like, well, all the Latinos are going to go to just like her podcast and not mine. And it's like, mm-hmm. when, like we're hella diverse, right? <laughs> so it's just like... Right. So it's like, why don't you just work together? And then you like have like people can it's like people could be friends with more than one friend kind of thing. Right. Yes. Um, and I think that's also like another thing to to think about, right? Like partnering with people um, and building those things. And even if you don't see the return right away, right? Like we're on the same boat, right? We're just like trying to create, we're on a budget, like we're here on Zoom. Uh, and, and, you know, but you don't know like how that partnership's going to grow in the long term, right? Like, and I think those are things that we need to put into perspective um, and building like genuine relationships with our audiences because, you know, Instagram could shut down. Like it, it was down that yesterday, right? Like, right. Um, <laughs> so like, yeah. And it's just like building those audiences, but also like, I think um, I actually did a talk yesterday on We All Grow and um, I think a lot of us will build on social media and this might be straying away from your question. I'm sorry. No, no, um, but, you know, we'll build on social media. And I do the same thing. Like, I love testing on social media. I love being like, let me just think of a story right now. Um, but we have to, like, also remember, like, keeping long-term content. Like, you know, you're not making that many off of your Instagram, right? You made it from your blog. <laughs> um, and these are the things to think about. It's like, this is long-term content, right? Because that's searchable. Like, I'm sure your posts from, like, when you started years ago still pop up, right? And that's yeah. creating, like, long-term revenue um, and creating, like, long-term wealth. So like in situations like now, you know, a lot of people are getting laid off. I got a contract cut, but I was just like, all right, like I have other revenue streams as well. Like might not be as good as the one that I had, but at the same time, it's like, all right, we have multiple revenue streams and we have multiple ways to make money. And that's things that I want, like our community start thinking of more so that we're not always dependent on that, like, you know, day to day, like, what is it like? Um, Nine to five like, corporate crap. Yeah, because you could get laid off in a minute, right? And you're just like, well, they, the these hoes ain't loyal. Okay, that is my message yes. for 2020. It's true, though, like people and especially like, you know, companies will be like, we're family. And then they're just like, well, you're the uncle I don't want to know about. Like, and you're like <laughs> Girl, that like I almost went on a rant yesterday because I'm talking to a friend who's dealing with a layoff and she's just like, I can't believe this happened. Like, I've been working like 12 hour days, like busting my ass. Like they didn't even let go of some people that had less stuff going on than I did. And I'm just like, girl. Corporate America doesn't give a fuck about you, okay? Like, I'm sorry, but they're about their money. And that's why you need to be about it too, because they they just, they ain't loyal. 
Yep. And I think, yeah, I think that's like the thing that like, you know, it's very much like take care of yourself before helping others. Um, And it's hard for a lot of us, I think, Um, especially when you come from a more community focused mentality. But but like, especially here in the US, they don't care. They don't care. Like, it's not that communal aspect, right? Like, even if companies will be like, capitalism is not built off of communal collective um, there's no feeling (laughs) okay so I love what you said about you know owning your voice and your story because I think a lot of people that I've talked to because you know I am the blog lady like that's who I am to my friends they're always just like oh my gosh I want to do that too but then I start talking to them about it and they're just like oh but like what what do I have to talk about like there's already a million blogs about you know, sewing or DIY crafts or whatever. And I'm just like, that's fine, but they're not you. Like you offer a unique perspective. It's like, there's a million TV channels on the TV because there's a million different interests that people have. And you might like the show that this girl has more than that show. And uh, it's just so hard to push that that narrative because people automatically think, well, what do I have to offer? So like, how, what advice do you have to give to people to kind of overcome that barrier? Yeah. I mean, I, I love that example that you give, like, think about how many rom-coms there are, right? Like, but you're going to watch like seven of them and they're the exact same yes. thing. Or even like the novelas, like they all have the same plot, right? But we're going to watch them anyway. <laughs> it's like someone's log lost sister, Roser of the Dead. And you're just like, right. Um, but, but yeah, and I think it's like that concept that we have to overcome is thinking that like, oh, there can only be one person. Right. And, and I think that's the other thing is trying to emulate other people. I think it's very different to find other people that's inspirational to you versus like, I'm going to copy everything that they do. Because if you copy someone like that's not your story and like, that's not sustainable in the long term, Right. Um, Versus, um, I saw this thing by Cardi B and she was like, oh, like, don't be the type of person that's just like, why her and not me be the type of person? Like, if she can do it, I can do it. Like, how do we become friends with her? Right. And I think that's like the mentality that we should have instead of like being like, oh, this is my competition. It's more just like, no, use it as fuel, you know, like in, in a healthy competition. Right. And being like, how do I like, you know, get to their level. Right. Um, but also thinking, you know, there's going to be a lot of people, like, even when I create stuff, I think about, like, what a younger me would need, right? Like, what other people that look like me. And even I would be really uncomfortable showing my face, and I've tried to get over that. Um, And it's kind of, like, on and off, right? Because I'm just like, uh, I look ugly today. I I mean, that's why I started a podcast, because I'm like, this is too much to be doing for YouTube. (laughs) Like, these YouTubers got the type of patience that I just wasn't born with, because ain't nobody doing my makeup every day. (laughs) Right. And I'm just like, ah. and even like I don't have I only have my brows done that's it but like you look gorgeous <laughs> but yeah and I think that's the thing it's just like you know what and it's just like well why do I feel like that like why do I feel like I'm ugly right and then I'm just like well I don't see people that look like me right mm-hmm. and I think that's the other thing it's like okay like if we keep trying to tell people like oh well I want other people to you know I want to see someone with curly hair I want to see someone that's like my shade like you know someone from Guatemala and then I'm just like okay, but you are that person. And I think that's the other thing. And it's like, if we want to see representation, um, especially as creators, especially as people who are already making content, like you have to be the representation. Um, So like I was saying before, it's not the same. Like, you know, if you're hearing like, what is it? Susan, I think I forgot her name. 
Susie something. Of course, Orman. this is Susan. Orman, yes, right? Susie I was like, Orman, yeah. always with Susie. Uh, but like her advice is really good, right? And like I listen to like the daily, I listen to NPR every day. Um, and it's just like, yeah, that's very helpful. But at the same time, like they can't always speak to your circumstance, right? Versus like if you're listening to you on this podcast, you're just like, yo, that's exactly what I'm going through, right? Um, and listening to other people who actually live those experiences, like you don't realize how powerful it is to share your story because other people feel seen. Um, and I think that's what we undervalue a lot, like how like the power of just sharing your experience, like not all of us will have the same experience and not everyone's going to relate and that's totally fine. Um, but there are a lot of people, like even if it's just one person that's like, what? Like I can do that. And I think seeing other people achieving certain things that you have, um, you know, someone might be listening and be like, what? Like she's a chemical engineer, right? Like if I would have like heard of you when I was young, that would have been such a game changer, right? Um, and even like when I was older, I met a bunch of my cousins and they were studying engineering and I didn't know them when I was young. And I was like, you mean to tell me like I had all these people that I could have talked to, but I didn't see anybody, you know, and I think those are the moments that really make a big difference. Um, and if it's not like immediate, like it could be long term, right? Like it could be someone younger. Um, it could be someone even like older that's like feeling inspired because they're like, well, if she did it, like, why can't I? Um, and I think that's that's the more powerful thing. Um, and, and, you know, I think when it comes off as like what well, everyone else is doing it, like, then maybe you're just not being your true self, right? Um, and I tell this to people all the time because they're just like, well, you know, I think we get stuck in like overthinking and like it come, like we're trying too hard where it's just yeah. like what people want to see is you, right? It's like not so much that like things are perfect. It's like actually you. Um, and this is stuff that I struggle with, right? Like constantly, <laughs> um, even like yeah. the last couple of weeks, I've been doing a lot more like virtual talks because now no one wants to force me to go into New York City. And I'm like, yo, I'm here. Like it's fine because <laughs> I live far from New York City. Um, but, you know, it's still scary. Like someone was like, how do you get over your fear of like, you know, coming to talk to us and like showing up? Up. And I'm like, no, I'm terrified. Like, I'm terrified right now, right? <laughs> like, and I think that's, you know, being real about that, um, yeah. you know, makes it's more relatable, right? Than being like, oh, look at me, I'm perfect and everything's great. That's true. And part of overcoming that fear is obviously just confronting it, right? Like, you don't right. know what you are capable of unless you put yourself out there and put yourself in that position to even like experience that fear. Yeah, because once you do it, you're just like, oh, wait, this isn't like as scary as I thought. Yeah, <laughs> I love what you say about like putting your authentic face forward, because that was something that I struggled with how I wanted to present myself during this podcast. You know, when I created my podcast, I only had references like, you know, Susie Orman or like Dave Ramsey and these like super polished like white people right and that's just not me like I I was just like well is that what I need to do and I found that the more I kind of just let myself be myself with my guests and just on social media like people really started connecting in a way that I still blown away by at this point you know I just have people coming up to me in like real life and in dms and all this stuff and they're just like I just love how you just you don't filter yourself you're like if you want to throw an f-bomb yeah you're gonna do it like it's just what it is and 
but that's me. Like, if you're going to interact with me on a human level, like that's who you're going to get. So I'm like, what is the value of me curating that in a way that's not authentic if I hope to actually connect with people, right? Like, I think that's just, you have to know who you are and not be apologetic about it. Yeah, I think that's because, you know, think about like all these mediocre guys. Look at our president, like. Girl, please. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they're getting, they get away with stuff and it's just like, oh, but then you're like, well, I could never, right? And it's like, yeah, we're going to be judged differently. But at the same time, like someone got to do it. Someone got to take that first step, right? And it's like, yeah, people might think like, oh, you're not as smart. You're not as intelligent. But it's just like, you know what? Like, let them think what they can think, right? Like at the end of the day. You know, what's that saying that's like, well, well-behaved women like rarely ever rarely. make history? Yes. But like yes. how true is that, right? Like look at AOC, right? Yo, I met AOC. We had a whole conversation about decolonizing things and then what? she blew up. And I was like. That, oh my like, gosh. I'm yeah. so jealous. But it was it was like I saw her speak at the wing. Um, my friend Annalisa, she had like organized this. And this is like before any, like she blew up on anything. And we're just chatting. I was like, yo, this is how I talk to all my friends, right? Like we're like, how do we decolonize the entire system? Like the system's messed up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I think that's the thing, right? Like and, and seeing her even speak like that, I'm like, wait, this is making the conversation. Like it's pushing the needle, right? Um, and I think that's, that's the thing. It's like if you show up and be your true self like I think so many of us are so tired of code switching I know I am exhausted right like putting on your voice and like speaking a certain way and I'm just like I'm over it I'm tired like I can't because I'm just like you know what regardless they still don't think I'm as intelligent like they still don't think I'm you know like worthy or valuable so like why why bother like why keep putting on this face right and like trick people into thinking well I think we're doing a disservice to ourselves as a community by painting something an illusion to make other people comfortable because that's what code switching is it's not for us It's for other people to be like, oh, okay, she's not a threat or she's not ghetto or she's not whatever. And it's just like, bitch, I don't have time for it anymore. (laughs) You get what you get. You get what you get. (laughs) Oh, that's my cat. Just crawling. (laughs) But yes. My dogs are wandering around here. (laughs) But yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. It's just like, you get what you got. Like, I'm so, yeah. It's just like, you know what? Like, you're tired. And if. You want to build. Oh, it's, so like, <laughs> it's like if you want to build a truly inclusive society, then like that's what it is. It's like letting people be themselves. Like we're going to have different struggles, and we walk in the world differently. Um, and letting people actually show up without having to like whitewash themselves. And I think, in a sense, like it even it relies on our community too a lot. Like people will, you know, if you if you hire, and I've been like. like this right like you hire someone else and you're like well don't make us all look bad right um and I think that like sometimes we even like judge ourselves harder than outside communities will absolutely there's so much judgment that comes from the expectations of our families of what we think we should be doing according to society standards so as somebody who is going against the grain how do you deal with that expectation and the judgments? Because I'm sure you must get them from somewhere, maybe even yourself. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think for sure myself, for sure friends, for sure people that are around you. I think it's like you just um, – I think it's like believing in yourself and like 
it, that was like really hard. Um, a really good friend of mine, uh, Delilah D, uh, she's always saying like, you got to be your own hype woman, right? And I'm just like, mm. like I don't want to do that. It sounds conceited. But, but then at the same time, you're just like, you know what? There are people that are like doing less than you, that are like not as capable, that are just like blowing up, that are getting all the opportunities. And you're just like, hold up. Like, wait. And it's like, well, if you don't believe in yourself, how do you expect anybody else to? Right. Um, so I think that's the other thing. And sometimes, you know, people will say, like, oh, well, you can't do this. You can't do that. I've always been the type of person that's like, watch me. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's like a reto that you're just like, all right, like, I'm going to do it. Right. Um, and yeah. I think that's one of the things. Um, and, you know, people who are not supportive, like, don't listen to them. Like, those are not people that you want in your life. Um, if, and I think it's about surrounding yourself with people that, like, are on have similar ambitions um and also like will motivate you and keep you going like kim is one of the like ogs like we started yeah. following each other forever I'm obsessed with her entire life. She was, like she like, she's amazing. amazing yeah like she will just like show up for everyone she will like always connect and that's like someone that i've like very much valued that relationship and like i think that's the thing it's like you know relationships are give and take right so it's just like um people who are just always draining you or being negative like you know, you don't need that in your life. Like maybe they're going through something and they're projecting that onto you. Like, I think that's the thing, like don't take things so personally. Um, but at the same time, like take constructive feedback as well, right? Like if someone's like, hey, this is, you know, harmful or this hurt my feelings, like, you know, that's that's another different thing. But when it comes to like a personal attack on you um, for things that you can't change or for your ambitions, I think like if people are not supportive, then like you don't need those people in your life. And trolls, do. you don't need the trolls. Don't feed the trolls. Sure Just don't. Our them. whole president is a damn troll, okay? So Lock he's canceled him. along with the rest of, of them. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about career digital and what you do through there, if you can tell us. Yeah, so it's always been evolving as well. Um, so basically, like I said, my goal is to really build a network, like a digital agency where I'm helping creators being able to take their business to another level, start a business, right? Because I think that's the other thing that we're seeing, especially for creators of color, is that it's like the next starving artist. Like people are creating so much value and not even realizing that you can monetize, that you can support your work, that you can create partnerships with people. Um, and being able to take that um, and and do more impact meaning work, right? So I think, you know, media really shapes how we view our society. Um, you know, think about like, like most of us are probably going to read a bunch of books or maybe had to for class. Maybe we'll never read a book again and think like, well, this book really changed my life. I, I do. I'm a nerd. But like a lot of people don't. But then you're just like, oh, wow, I watched that movie. I watched this like YouTuber. I listened to this podcast and it really changed it, right? And those are the right. people who are probably reading the books, creating the content and making it easy for us to understand. Um, and I think that's valuable. So I want to be able to support those people more um, and build out those partnerships and facilitate that because I am definitely like a strategy and operations person. Like I'm a, like, you know, I'm 
more of an engineer, right? Like I'm, I'm seeing the behind the scenes and I'm like, how do we put this together? But it's in this like new digital space. Um, so that's what I love doing. That's what I want to keep growing out. And, you know, it's been very slow. It's just me. I'm like, I've had some people come in and out, um, but I've been trying to build that. And that's always been my goal, even for the last couple of years while I was working before I even started, like before I you know, um, started working with anybody. Um, that was always the goal, but so far I've worked with like a couple of brands trying to create their content strategy, um, facilitating partnerships for them to work with these type of people with the influencers and creators. Um, and that's really what I want to take it out. But, um, I've been really testing that out with basic rounders and build with joy. Um, so those are like you know, the own and operated of the company and trying to test it out because I want to always make sure that it works first um, before mm-hmm. even telling other people to try to do it, right? Because I'm just like not going to be telling people like, hey, try this. And then it's like, didn't work, right? Like um, <laughs> I like testing out all the things and building that formula, right? And then being like, all right, cool. Now test it, see if it works for you. Um, so that's really like what my, my goal is like in the next three to five years that it's like, mm-hmm on business like we're you know bringing a whole bunch of talent that you now see is like you know has their own shows has everything um and really like shaping the face of entertainment but also like being very mindful about like the companies that we work with that they're fair trade that they're you know trying to help society and not damaging it um and i think that's like a new form in a sense of like a new wave of capitalism right like oh yeah it's just not it's not working like it's not working um and I think it's going to be definitely be more um, impact driven, right? Like measuring things on based on the impact that we have. And that's, you know, that's really from my um, background in working at the Grameen Foundation, working with them, like that's kind of the the method is really thinking about sustainability and how, you know, we're helping people at the end of the day, because that's really all that matters. Um, and we're literally seeing it right now. Absolutely. So you mentioned Basic Brown Nerds, which is your podcast. So can you tell us about that, like what the gist is and what you're doing through that platform? Yeah. So um, for Basic Brown Nerds, what I really try to do is highlight people's stories um, and just their journeys. Um, Basically, it started with Grecia and I, um, and she is my friend from high school. And we reconnected after we both moved back from college, living in the suburbs. So we grew up in Rockland County, New York, which is about an hour, um, 40 miles outside of New York City. And there, you know, we were just trying to like rediscover who we are because, you know, we're, she's undocumented Mexican. I'm Guatemalan, but grew up in the U.S. And, you know, I think a lot of us are, you know, quote unquote whitewashed or we're told like we're not Latina enough or we talk a certain way. Um, So it's like, oh, or, or we live in the suburbs and it's like, yeah, we grew up low income, but we still like lived in good neighborhoods compared to like what you traditionally think people are from, right? Like they're just like, well, why aren't you like, you know, acting more hood or why don't you have like an accent? And I'm like, 
okay like when we're just that trying girl, to survive that's story right? my life. yeah um so like we would jo- like we would meet up for brunch right and that's the other thing we would meet up at these places for brunch that are like bougie um and never see people like us even like our friends are like oh that's for white people right and like we always grew up like hearing like oh that's for white people like we love hiking she eats like i don't know if you if you see her instagram it's like gracia writer she's always posting like the cutest foods and like all this stuff right (laughs) and and i think like those are like you know stuff that we love and like the aesthetics of it all um but you're told like oh that's that's para gringos right like that's some white people stuff Um, even having money allegedly is for a yeah it's like I and I was a nerd. Like I was always a nerd, and like growing up, kids would always just be like, "Oh, you talk like a white girl," or like, "Oh, you you're an honor." Oh my athlete. god, are you in my brain? Like I heard the exact same shit. God, it's so annoying. But like, yeah, and people are always telling you that, and I'm just like, "Wait, like I'm darker than half of y'all. Like, what are you talking about? Like, no one confuses me for a white girl, right? Like, if anything, people always think I'm mixed, and I'm like, I am, because most Latinos are. Uh, (laughs) But like, but yeah, and I think that was, you know, that's really we would have these conversations out at the restaurants, at the bougie places, and people are just like looking at us like these girls are weird, right? Um, so we were just like, you know, this this is almost three years ago, and people, and we were just like, we should start a podcast, and we're like, let's do it podcast like any good millennial was like I'm gonna start a podcast Um, but we did it and this is before anchor like before there's easy platforms and I'm just like all right I got this I got my digital ops hat on and I was like all right how do I upload this and everything so we like made out our systems we literally started with our computers so the audio is horrible for the first couple episodes but but people like actually started resonating right and I was like oh I know how to grow stuff so I was like let me test this out and that's how we started like even just posting on Instagram releasing episodes and it's been like on and off um and you know she's a full-time mom and has a full-time job so I decided to keep it going for the second season so really you know I kept that conversation going um and you know her and I are still like best friends um and you know I really just wanted to keep highlighting people's stories because like we open that dialogue um but then we're just like all right let's bring on other people that can relate so actually literally yesterday it's been taking so long because um she used to edit and then I had someone like help me edit um but now like you know everything's changed uh so I tried to edit so hopefully it's not that bad um and I released the first episode actually yesterday and that's with like Eric Rivera which I got to meet um and he's also Guatemalan grew up in Westchester um and you know like two or three 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 I just released it yesterday um And, you know, he's talking about those same type of experiences, right? Like growing up, being like made fun of for acting like a like quote unquote white boy. And if you look at him, you're just like, oh, yeah, he's Guatemala. Like, you know, like, (laughs) and I think it's these experiences that a lot of us have that aren't the typical stories of like, "Mm, I grew up like, you know, in the hood and the, the like. And, you know, that's a very real experience. A lot of people have that. But I think that's we focus on this like sad struggle story of like people of color that it just like doesn't show like joy or success um and a lot of us do have to overcome a lot of hurdles right like a lot of, and I think that's something that we've ignored a lot and even while I was working at AmeriCorps right like most of the population in poverty is suburban is rural is white and we're like ignoring that right and we listen girl. yeah and you're just like 
what? Um, that was so shocking to me when I moved to Florida because I grew up in uh, New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey is uber segregated. Like New Jersey is one of the most segregated states in the country. And it's especially really? segregated by income. Okay. So you can have like houses that are worth a million dollars, like three miles down the street from another city where like, it's just straight up projects and hood. And so when I came down to Florida and started seeing poor white people for the first time, like my mind was blown because I had never seen this shit before. I was like, all the poor people look like me or like they're just black and brown. And then all of a sudden I started to understand, oh, these are the Trump voters that I had no idea that even existed. This is who they are. A lot of people, especially in New York, right? Like. I remember, what is it, the day after the election, like people are crying. I'm in a yoga class and everyone's like, how did this happen? And I'm just looking around and I'm just like, I'm the only non-white people here. And I'm just like, this has always been a problem. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, and they're like, what? And I'm like, of course, you don't see it. Because they're like, how did people vote for this? I'm like, you don't leave like your little spaces. And I think that's the other thing why, you know, I always try to encourage like people to travel, right? Not right now, stay home because virus. But... <laughs> but but yeah I think you know you see different things like I worked with the people I was working with at AmeriCorps like they were this organization of nuns and they like they were these hippie activist nuns so cool um but they were literally like put they were working out in Ohio in Youngstown which became like Trump red area and I was there years before and it was like abandoned right and you're seeing and that's when I like saw white poor poverty and then when you when I went out to Rochester too like you know the rest of New York like everyone focuses on New York City and then you go out and you're like what like even I live now in the country and like we're okay here but like you go and you see like rural people and like People are struggling. And I think that's what we forget. And if you're ignoring groups of people, like it makes sense. But that's where privilege shows, right? Like, you know, they're like, oh, let me vote for Trump because I've been ignored versus like black and brown people are like, I've been ignored, but I've been murdered. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, guys, we have real problems out here. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, but I think that's the other thing that you start to see that, you know, the world is not so perfect, um, but also you know, we have so many different stories to share and, and you start to realize like you have a lot more in common with people, right? Like even when I went to college, you know, a lot of my white friends, like I, I didn't know they would, they could be poor, right? Like, um, and I think that's like things that we found in common, but like obviously recognizing that race does play into privilege. Um, but, but also, you know, realizing that we have more in common. And even when I traveled, like I went to mostly post-conflict zones and, you know, I was in Kosovo where like these people look like Barbies, right? Like they're gorgeous and they're like killing each other, right? Cause they're different tribes. And I'm like, what like y'all look like white people to me and they're just like no they're albanian they're serbian like and i'm just like wait like um and i think that's like what we forget it's like yeah here we see it very marked in the americas based on race but this is like always been a thing and people are always trying to find what makes you different instead of what stories bring you together so it's kind of what I'm trying to do with basic brown nerds is really highlighting those stories and right now like you know I'm the host um, but the goal is really to like 
bring more people and facilitate more of those conversations. And yeah, it started with like two Latinas, right? Um, But I think that embodies also like why we chose brown, right? Because, you know, like I'm browner than she is, but we're both still like this ambiguous, right? Like-ness of brownness. And I think that's what the future is going to look like, Um, especially look like Latin America. Like you have a family where you have like someone with blue eyes and then you have someone that's like really dark, right? Um, And I think that's like what, you know, the future of the United States is going to look like um, and the rest of the world. Like we're seeing that more and more. But I think the sad part is that we've erased a lot of the stories, right? Like we've erased like where our ancestors came from. And that's like on purpose so that you don't have that wealth, right? You don't have the knowledge of how, you know, your your whole lineage and that like erases so much. And so I think with now with technology, even with like our podcast, it's like an audio archive of like our stories that no one can really take away from us. Um, and why I think it's important to own your stuff as well um, and own your stories, um, both physically and in the like emotional sense, right? Because we don't want other people profiting from our stories and our experiences. Um, and I think that's, that's even more valuable um so yeah that's and america is absolutely more brown and the 2020 census will confirm that so if you haven't already filled it out please go ahead and do us all a favor because we want to make sure that everybody who's making policies out there understands that we're the freaking majority yeah and this money it's about money this is also about money (laughs) like yes they fund like based on who how many people there are is how we get funded right so I think that's also super important to remember like why we count like the data is so important and even when you you know when places have been conquered and colonized or there's war the first thing they do is burn that data right like they burn the stories they tear down anything that's written because like you realize how important it is to have that data because that's how you can tell people's stories right like that's how you analyze it and you know who was there um and why it's so important so yeah my sense is not good yes So your other brand, Build With Joy, so that's your blog, but you also have e-courses on there. So what is it that people can go to that website to obtain? Yeah, so I'm restarting the e-courses because they were kind of on pause, but um, I'm going to be launching a web, like a tutorials, like web series. So I think I'm going to do them live right now. So I was writing them out, actually. Um, And basically, I think... You know, like I said, I'm not the artist, right? But I know how to get things done. Um, And so what I really want to teach people is to break it down. So whenever you have a big idea, it's like breaking down into like little actionable steps. And then what is it that you can do to execute? So I'm really going to go through like how to even create your content strategy, right? Like how to build a community, how to like leverage social media networks, um, how to build a podcast and really going through and doing like the step by steps. So it's not so much like fluff, um, but more so like, yo, use this software, this app, this stuff, because I want people to actually realize like how simple it is. Um, Because as much as like, you know, I want to make all these things, right? I want to tell everyone's stories on basic brown nerds. I also realize, you know, 
teaching people how to do it is way more impactful because that means like I have a bigger impact even if I don't see it, even if I never hear about it. Like, you know, I'm teaching people how to do that and, you know, tell their own stories and keep it going. Um, so that's really what I'm trying to build out. Um, and, and it's been with everything, you know, you try, you fail. So this might fail. This might be great. Um, and I think that's no, it's going to be fantastic. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause I tried before and I was like, I'm going to build this, but I think that was the other thing, you know, like saying, I tried to mimic like all these big bloggers, right. That it was like, I'm going to make this. Planning for your next trip, elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's like 7 million step course and whatever. And I was like, and that didn't work, right? And I was just like, okay, cool. And then I like put it on pause. Um, but I think that's the thing. That's just like, you know what? Go with your gut. Go with what, even if someone else hasn't done the framework, but also don't be so afraid to fail because you're not really failing. You're just learning different ways that it didn't work. <laughs> um, right. So, so well, yeah. I think so what's, important about, what's important about what you're doing is that, and I think a lot of people, the same way that there's a lot of people asking, how do I invest in the stock market before I even have an emergency fund? And I'm just like looking at them like, girl, you better you better have a seat because you were trying to run before you walk. Okay. You right. have to build the relationship with your audience so that they get to know you before you even start trying to sell them something, because it's just oh, like, sure. how are they going to know? Like, why should I trust her? Like if they don't feel like they have a personal relationship with you. Right. So I think like how you're putting yourself out there and doing all these workshops and just building your audience by exposing who you are and like, telling your story, that's the best way to get anybody to buy something from you if that's your Yeah, problem. and I think the other thing that I learned... Just look at like, the Kardashians. Hello. <laughs> but I think the other learn that thing that I have learned too, and I used to be so afraid because I used to be like, well, let me not share everything that I know how to do because then people are going to steal it, right? Um, And then what I've learned is just like, you know what? They can go ahead and steal it, but they can't build it the same way that you can, right? Um, And that's something I've learned the hard way, but I've also like held on to so much of my stories. I haven't even like published that much um, because I was like, oh, well, I have to have a monetization strategy in place right? Coming from the outside, seeing the other ends, right? Um, and like, yeah, I learned how to do that. Um, but I think it's also just like, you know what, like, there's so much power in your story. And it was like we were saying before, like, no one can tell it the same way that you can. So they can try. Um, but also, as you build your audience, like, these are the people that are going to come for you, right? Like, they, I mean, like, come support you, not like come at you. You know what I mean? But like, um, but also like, you know, if someone does try to like steal things, like those are the same people that have been supporting you that they're going to be like, nah, like, you know, credit them. And I've seen this happen. And I think that's something that's, that's why you want to build a strong audience. And, but like, it's not just like, oh, these are my followers. Like, nah, these are your supporters. And that means that like you bring value to them as well. Um, mm -hmm. And like that, you know, they support you back, but it's also just not like expecting nothing in return right um yeah. so i think that's why it's like also important like you build actual connections with people 
Absolutely. And if you have any doubt whatsoever that the internet is not the place to do that, like it absolutely is. So for anybody who's even been considering like branching out and doing something that does not fit a certain mold, like joy is your example that you can <laughs> take the skills that you learn in your nine to five, in your corporate life, in your education background and switch them up and do something that actually fulfills you from a personal standpoint. So I just love everything that you're doing and I want people to know where they can follow you. So if you can share that with us. Yeah, it's at um, Joy Valerie, J-O-Y-V-A-L-E-R-I-E with two E's. Um, And that's my handle across Instagram and Twitter. I tweet way too often, but y'all want random thoughts in your feed. <laughs> That's I'll be like, where we here's go. Some very intelligent thing, and then I'm just like, here's my cat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's all about balance, right? Yeah, um, and yeah, and or you can find my blog, buildwithjoy.co and joyvalerie.com, and same basic browners is basic browners across everywhere um, on all podcasting platforms, on all social media, and I'm always the one checking everything, and I try to get back to as many things as I possibly can, so feel free to tweet at me, tag me. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Joy, I actually sent you a DM earlier today because I'm looking to collaborate with you, so make sure you go and check that, okay, because we're going to do something. We're going to do do something special. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel it. But thank you so much for this conversation. I am just inspired by everything that you're doing. And I appreciate how you are just providing a different perspective on how you can use the internet to create a life that does not fit like the expectations or the molds that we've been forced to fit in for so long. So thank you for this convo. I cannot wait to listen to the new episode of Basic Brown Nerds. And I love your merch, by the way. That shit is so popping. I need one of those shirts. <laughs> I know. Right now, I don't even... I have everything like a mess with the boobs at like quarantine. <laughs> but definitely once it's back up. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, honey. This has been a pleasure. Yes, you too. Thank you. All right. Take care. I hope that you love this episode and I hope that you follow Joy. She is just an amazing human. I'm so honored to know her and I know that she is going to make real change in the world because she is a Latina that is using her voice and using the power of technology to really harness and tell our stories. And that's so important, right? One of the things that I loved about Joy's presentation at the Side Hustle Summit was when she spoke about reclamando el oro. What she means by that is really, it's time for us to reclaim our stories, right? It's time for us to reclaim the histories that have been lost for our culture. It is time for us to chart a new history and a new story and tell the world who we are, why we're here, and the fact that we're not going anywhere. So if you're listening to this podcast, it's because the stories that you're hearing are resonating with you and you are finding a connection with people who look like you, who sound like you, who have experiences like you. And it's so important for us to continue telling those stories so that we don't feel alone in the world, right? It's really easy to feel like you're the only one going through something if you don't have voices that share your same experience. So At the end of the day, that is what I'm trying to accomplish here at the podcast. And I just thank you so much for your support. So if you're loving this podcast, please make sure to share it with your friends and family, because that's the only way that we can get ourselves out there. 
If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave a review because again, that helps amazing people like you find and connect with our podcast. And that's why we're here. We're here to connect. We're here to create a community and we're here to provide a safe space for you to find stories that resonate with you because that is what community is. It's finding a collective tribe that has your belief system, that has your cultural understanding. And that is so important, especially when it comes to empowering ourselves to elevate. So until next time, guys, stay passionate, stay inspired, stay hustling, and stay poderosas. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.